The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome, everybody. You're watching Squawk Box. In your headlines this morning, U.S. markets bounce with the S&P 500 posting its best day of the month so far. This as Wall Street recovers from its worst weekly loss in two years. But the rally stalls in Asia with South Korean stocks leading declines. The Nikkei is the relative outperformer as the yen hits its lowest level in almost 24 years. A top German industry body warns a recession is inevitable if Russia turns off the gas completely. This is the BDI slashes its growth outlook for Europe's largest economy. And also you've got President Biden now trading barbs with the Chevron boss Michael Worth, calling the oil executive, wait for it, mildly sensitive as he reiterates his frustration towards the industry. French President Emmanuel Macron holds talks with the country's main party leaders as far-right rival Marine Le Pen stakes claims to key cabinet posts. The national rally being the largest opposition group at the National Assembly, it is only legitimate for it to claim the presidency of the Finance Commission along with one of the vice presidency positions. So welcome everybody. You may notice something a little bit different. Uh, this is the new, improved and updated version of Squawk Box. It's Squawk Box 2.0 and it has three <laughs> presenters around the desk. Good well, morning. Good, good morning. morning. There are issues already though and I, I've spoken What's to per personnel about it. Okay. About personal space. Personal space. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, look, we could always reach Actually, out. Actually, yeah, you and, and I are a lot much nearer than you and yes. Karen. Well, Jeff yes. and I are sharing a drink now, so we, yes. we're saving inflation's yeah. well, we cleaning issues. we have the drinks so on that side because I've got Jeff's notes on my, on my workspace. Well, what can I say? Uh, it is nice to be back around the desk with the two of you, though. Yeah, it's been a very long time. It give, feels give, like give, at give least two minutes. years. <laughs> you wish you weren't from home. <laughs> and they found a chair for you. We thought you were going to be sitting Absolutely. on the printer yesterday. But, so, but the funny thing is, I mean, this is like, uh, I mean, it's like, you know, soap powder. It's the new improved version mm. for uh, 2022. But also, it's a little bit like the markets, if I can see into that. I mean, in the sense that it is the same, but it's different. So we had a, a big rebound yesterday in the markets. Yeah. Uh, and people are looking at it and saying, is this the same as it was prior to the beginning of the declines that we've seen, or has something oh. changed? And something has seriously changed. And something has changed around the desk here this morning. Yes, but I, we I, are three, and actually this is the desk that we never got to sit around as three people No, before, we didn't, did no, we? because uh, as soon as we had the new delivery of yeah. this, they'd taken the, the, the cling film off the top of it, or whatever yes. you take off, yes. uh, the fact, or the protective plastic, <laughs> the fact is we had COVID. Uh, yes. So it was two years and three months since we all uh, sat together. Look, the fact of the matter is, uh, it was a terrific rally, and Karen's going to talk us through that uh, in a few moments' time. Yes, there is no doubt about it, the, the solid rally of crypto over the weekend off its lows. Um, to just over 20,000. The big rally on the markets as well with 2.5% gains across the board. Again, I don't want to say too much about that. But the fact of the matter is, 
nothing has changed. Nothing has changed from when you were selling it aggressively uh, for the 10th week out of 11 uh, on Friday to actually when you were buying it aggressive yesterday. There may have been some hedge fund redemptions. I, I, I hear that there might have been a bit of short closing there. But if you had concerns on Friday about inflation, if you had concerns about valuations, if you had concerns about rates, if you had concerns about recession, if you had concerns about the war, about COVID, about China, about Europe's growth, about the oil executive fighting with Biden. Nothing. There isn't one piece of news out there. And I challenge anyone around this desk or in the, the Twitter sphere or you name it, wherever. I'm actually not on Twitter this morning. Uh, but I, to, to tell me that something massively changed when you bought the market yesterday. There was a, a, perhaps a slight change in the momentum. But apart from that, nothing. Well, as a viewer, it's a deck count bounce, right? That this is still a bear market we're looking at. But, you know, Jeff, when you brought up the comparison, the studio yeah. set to the market. So yeah. I was wondering whether you were talking about a policy mistake here, that we're going into a COVID spike, potentially, whether we're going to just reverse course. But this is the issue for markets as well. You know, you're having to make decisions at this point and whether it's the right decision, whether you have to reverse course at some point. I think it's incredibly difficult. We are looking at potentially a recession. Something will avoid a recession. Those are very different scenarios. And the situation around COVID, we've still seen how disruptive Chinese policies can be around the mainland market. Supply chain issues, uh, some are still comparing back to 2020 times. Yes. We're not out of any of this yet when it comes to the macroeconomic backdrop, and that is the problem. You're trying to set course in one direction, but you may have to quickly it's come back. It's not even a question way. of not being out of it. It's a question of not having got into the mess yet. That's the point. I don't even think we're anywhere near the trough that we can be in, potentially. There, there is one thing that has changed, though. Go on. The level of the market. Uh, and I'll just throw that down. Uh, and I suspect that's part of the reason why people are having a nibble at this price. Because the, the S&P is what now? 21% lower than it was at its previous high? Yeah, 22%. Right. So that's a 22% decline from the peak. You absolutely nailed it with all the problems that we're currently experiencing. But with the market down 21% from where it was, I think there are people that are starting to say, have we come far enough at this stage? Now, I don't think anybody around this desk is going to say, yeah, absolutely. This is the time when you start to uh, feed money back into the market. But there has been a valuation reset. And at some point, as you always argue, you can sell everything at the right price. Cool. So what is the right price for stocks right now? That's the question I think we've got to try and work out for our audience. Let me, let me just say, say one more thing. I'm not saying this isn't the bottom of the market. I'm not saying it is the bottom market. That's above my pay grade. And, and I'm not saying we can't have five days of rallies now or 10 days of rallies or, or actually that we're going to go right back up to some bull market level as well. What I am saying is that nothing of the factors that took us down has changed at all. Now, if people think, well, we've, we've, we all decided that's enough now, we've had enough selling, enough doom and gloom, then we're going to change the momentum of the market. They, that can happen anywhere. But the underlying economic, geopolitical, um, uh, social factors that yeah. were still there are still there today. So nothing underlying has changed. In fact, we've got two days of testimony now from... Uh, Jay Powell, who's going to get it in the neck from politicians about inflation. He's going to get it in the neck from politicians about mortgage rates, about affordability, about gasoline, about the transitional uh, nature of his comments over 2021. He's going to have a horrible couple of days. Um, I, I take, I've just noticed one thing. 
Has Karen had enough already of the three yeah, of us yeah, over she's, there? She's, she's gone. walked off. She's, she's gone. Where is she? She's gone. Has she gone? She's got to the wall. Oh, she's over there. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. I thought you'd had enough of the three of us already. I was trying not to walk in front of our new camera positions, but let's just take a look at the markets because as we consider the bounce back yesterday, don't forget it does come on the back of that biggest weekly decline since March 2020. So a little bit of air to the upside for a bounce back. And that is effectively what we saw more than 2% across some of these major markets. So 2.1 on the Dow, you could see 2.4 plus on the S&P 500. So a strong build for these major markets. And if you just delve into the big movers, it was interesting to see a very split position around a couple of big tech names. Apple, one of the big drivers to the upside for the S&P, meta platforms to the downside. So again, still questions around the valuations in the technology sector, but uh, some investors just raking over certain areas are worth pointing out that Nasdaq was up 2.5%. Same themes around Apple and Meta, but I want to take you to the S&P sectors because it was a day for energy stocks still. One of the big areas leading the market forward, you could see 5.1% bounce for that particular sector, outpacing percentage gains elsewhere. The 2.8% that you saw on the consumer discretionary and on communication services, just 1.6%. So very strong build for that energy sector. The underperformer here was materials that was up 1.7%. And let me take you to treasuries. We have seen a little bit of movement again in the yield. We've marched higher, three and a quarter percent where we are sitting morning session, just drifting off some of those highs we did see yesterday. But uh, you can see at the short end, 3.19. Again, fears about the pace of tightening, whether we're still talking about jumbo-sized moves here, 75 basis points ahead, whether we settle down at a 50 basis point move next, which is still a very big number for the market to swallow at this stage. And let me take you to the dollar. We've seen a lot of uh, wild action again on foreign exchange markets, particularly around the Japanese yen, around the 24-year low. 136.18 is roughly where we're trading on markets at this stage. Uh, incredible, isn't it? 136 handle that we've got here. The uh, sterling euro trades also weaker this morning. You can see coming off by about a third of a percent. It is a story for the greenback at this hour. And to the commodities market on the back of the big gain in the energy stocks yesterday, the spot price is drifting south. We're down 3% off these uh, bo- both of these trades, Brent and WTI. Interesting to hear the Indian position about trying to scoop up some Russian oil on the cheap if they can, uh, given the pressures we've seen across it for some of these emerging markets. Gold prices also weakening this morning, 18.25, with a little bit of risk appetite. It's taken the shine off bullion at this hour. To the Asian markets, the early view is flat for the Tokyo stock market. We're not making any gains there. It was a stronger bid yesterday. There was a little bit of weakness across on those Chinese markets in the, the trade as we witnessed yesterday. And you can see again this morning, Hong Kong stocks trading down more than 1%, a third off China and the Cosby in South Korea giving up 1.7%. So a little bit soggy across on those Asian markets today, Jeff. Yeah, terrific, Karen. Let's, let's move on then and um, pick up on the Jerome Powell. As Steve was pointing out, the Fed chair will head to Capitol Hill today, testifying before the Senate Banking Committee. Uh, The House Financial Services Committee will be on Thursday. It comes just days uh, after he oversaw the Fed's biggest rate hike in almost three decades. Uh, And as the US Central Bank grapples with high inflation, plunging markets and the looming threat of recession. Well, Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin says the Fed should hike as fast as it can without harming financial markets or the economy, citing broad-based persistent high inflation and interest rates that are well below normal. Humphrey Hawkins. Humphrey Hawkins' testimony. Humphrey Hawkins' testimony, yeah. I was just looking back at the history of that, actually. 1978, it was basically unemployment and inflation levels uh, rising in the early 1970s. Does that sound familiar, ladies and gentlemen? 
impact if we're talking about the factors there. Uh, I'll read you the wiki version. Unemployment inflation levels began to rise in the early 1970s, reviving fears of economic recession. In the past, the country's economic policy had been defined, uh, defined by the Employment Act. But now, uh, on the basis of this, uh, there was a whole host of things that had to go. But basically, the, the, the Fed chair has now, on a semi-annual basis, to get up to Congress yeah. and just explain what on earth is happening to those policymakers who then get a chance to bark at him uh, or her. Uh, the Fed signaled, though, more hikes were coming. And according to the latest Reuters poll, we're going to see another 75 basis point hike in July, uh, followed by a further 50 basis points in September, with no return to smaller hikes until November at the earliest. It found economists expect a funds rate, a Fed funds rate of 3.25 to 3.5 percent by the end of the year. 75 basis points above the level expected just two weeks ago. Uh, very interesting data. The existing home sales fell by 3.4% in May to a seasonally adjusted uh, annualised rate of 5.41 million units, according to the National Association of Realtors. That's the weakest reading since June 2020 and more than 8.5% lower than a uh, year ago. April sales were also revised lower. Um, I just want to go into some detail on this one, courtesy of um, Carl Weinberg's team over at High Frequency Economics. There was some uh, brilliant de digging into the details. Uh, and one thing that is a fact is that we now have the highest prices pretty much for median houses uh, ever. Uh, so an existing ho home, median price is now $407,600 in May. That is a record high, okay? But it's the payments on that as well. Uh, assuming a 20% down payment, their payments have now increased from $1,666 at the end of December to $2,200 currently, a roughly 30% increase on the year as well. Add in that um, your energy costs, add in that your fuel costs as well. And it is no wonder that employees out there are asking for more money. It has to do something to consumption patterns at some point. Uh, yes, I was it also does. looking at a report, uh, DataTrek had this report out saying that on average people are still spending $270 per person above pre-pandemic levels. So this is the amount of US retail spending, which as you say is not sustainable. And given all the other pressures we've mentioned here, to be spending that much more per month is uh, fairly extreme. And what are they spending it on? Well, the Google searches indicate that it's still going into hotels and restaurants or services part of the economy. It's not going in the usual places, laptops and iPhones. So you have seen that transition. So this is money that can easily be pulled back. People not taking trips, people not effectively going out to dine for, for a couple of times a week. Then you start to see that real impact on consumption. And curiously, it is also concentrated, if you look at some of these patterns, around big consumption areas of the United States. Question. So it did North go out America. to dine a couple of times a week. I certainly never did. Well, you do live in the middle of the countryside, but if you are in a populated we have pubs area... And hang on a second, we do have pubs and restaurants in the countryside, you know. I know, but it's not just we stumbling just sit distance the fire. downstairs. <laughs> uh, well, it's very different to New York, I'm sure you would admit, and very different to, say, California. And the, that's where a lot of these consumption patterns have been right. picked up. And just one of the other points, too, as we talk about new <laughs> metrics, I mean, you're looking at a lot of the traditional ones there, as we talk about inflation, we talk about housing. Another metric is seen as occupancy levels in the office. So this is seen as a trade-off between who has the strength here between employers and workers. Occupancy levels in the office are higher. It suggests that workers do not have as strong a hand as they think they do, which means when it comes to wage negotiations, it could be a forward signal. Uh, so, so two interesting things that I think that you've both brought up. One is, um, is the housing market going to be the genesis of the next crisis for markets because there is an affordability issue as you describe it as um, 
consumption at higher price levels is taking away savings, that removes the opportunity for those with uh, expensive mortgages to continue to service those mortgages. At what point do we begin to see the same kind of capitulation, if at all, that we saw around the GFC, where people started sending their keys back to the estate agent or the Rialta and say, I'm out of here because I can no longer meet the payments, because I took out a mortgage at the time when 30-year rates were around 1%, not when 30-year rates we're up at, what are we now, six, seven, eight, something like that, um, on the 30-year mortgage rate? Not quite as much as that I yet. Mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's about, it, I think it's about 5.78 is but the it's, level now. But it's so much higher oh, yeah. in multiple terms oh, than it was. Significantly. So, so the other question then is, is um, you know, coming back to the demand destruction point, which is what we're seeing on consumer spending and a reluctance maybe now to start going out to restaurants and other leisure facilities, at what point do we start to see oil meaningfully crack in price terms? Well, it's cracked quite because a lot. Because the inevitable outcome of any recession is that we're going to see much lower commodity just prices at some stage, and the oil price has to roll over. I mean, you know, for goodness sake, we were not that long ago at a point where you couldn't give oil away. So it is a sharp reminder to those who may be yeah, because of the cost in, of storage. in leverage positions that if they're still in leverage positions to the long side of the oil market, maybe they need to be rethinking their positioning. So according to Freddie Mac, the rate on the 30-year mortgage last week was 5.78%, up from 5.23 the week before, the highest weekly change since 1987 but well above the rate of 2.93 a year ago. So an extraordinarily large rally in those mortgage costs you were talking about there. Yeah. Uh, and just a, just a point on the oil price, it was 125 bucks a week and a half ago. It is yeah. now trading, and I'll just talk about Brent, which is seen as more of the global measure. Brent, as I speak now, has just cracked three and a half uh, bucks in the last session. It's down to 111. That's despite, that's despite all of those supply concerns that we all know are clear and present and are great concern, and the fact that demand consumption has picked up. Um, let's push on. Uh, the Japanese yen is trading near a 24-year low versus the dollar. That's as minutes from the Bank of Japan's April meeting showed some policymakers raised concerns over the currency's excessive volatility. Despite the worries, the Bank of Japan's board agreed on the need to keep interest rates low and support the economy in its pandemic recovery. Inflation in Japan exceeded the central bank's target of 2% for the first time in seven years in April. Well, coming up on the show, uh, Bitcoin, I think there's a I think this is the pivotal moment for Bitcoin. This price action around 20, 21,000 at the moment, sitting in the middle of that range at the moment. I really think it's an important level because it's found some stability. It bounced aggressively off that what 1700 uh, $17,800 level. But what next? What next? And that for me is the key. Bitcoin regaining 21,000 well, not at the moment, uh, and then losing it as the volatile ride continues. So we'll check in on the first ETF to short the crypto when Squawk Box returns. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com.
Uh, Mr. Biden, the U.S. president, is expected to call for a temporary suspension of the federal gas tax today. I hope it has more luck than uh, Rishi Sunak's cutting of the tax, the gasoline this side of the Atlantic. Uh, anyway, that's according to several media reports. It comes as the U.S. scrambles to put a lid on surging inflation and fuel prices and ease pain at the pump. Uh, several Democrats, including the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, have questioned the policy putting its passage through Congress in doubt. Oil prices are actually down a, a tad. In fact, for gasoline prices, you'll be interested to know, it 4.97 yesterday on a national average for average gasoline per gallon. That is down from the June 14th high of over five bucks. Uh, oil prices, uh, well, it says they're down on expectations of the announcement. I don't know why they would be down on expectations of the announcement. Mm -hmm. Not sure why we said that because, quite frankly, the demand's going to be the same yeah. for the underlying product. Whether you have a gasoline, in fact, if anything, I would say gasoline demand would pick up if there's a cheaper price. Well, you'd imagine so, wouldn't you? So um, I'm not quite sure about that read, but that might have been there might have been some analyst yeah. logic to it. But I always like to question that logic. Uh, anyway, the president, uh, well, he's hitting out now at Chevron CEO Mike Worth, describing him as sensitive. Oh, bless him. Uh, two remarks he made about the oil sector. Well, of course, if you're an oil executive and you've been criticised by the president, I guess you would react, wouldn't you? Anyway, Biden criticised the rise in profits seen by oil majors following the outbreak of war in Ukraine, including remarks that ExxonMobil had made more money than God uh, so far this year. Well, I don't know what God's balance sheet's looking like this year, I'm afraid. Uh, the Chevron boss accused the White House of vilifying the oil industry and said an agreement on increasing supplies to lower prices would require a change of approach from the administration. U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm is set to hold talks with oil executives uh, on Thursday. Well, that's going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, Germany's economy could be headed for uh, a recession if Russian oil supplies are halted. The warning from the Federation of German Industries comes as countries across Europe activate their energy backup plans, including return to coal. Europe, which relies on Russia for most of its gas needs, has accused Moscow of weaponizing its gas following sanctions over the war in Ukraine. Russia has blamed tightening supplies on Nord Stream 1 repairs, which it says have been hampered by sanctions. Karen. Bitcoin bounced back above $21,000, having sunk below 18 uh, that handle on Saturday. But it is coming under fresh pressure this morning. You can see uh, 20532 I do wonder, though, whether we should be checking on this trade uh, so often. I mean, one of the big views from the industry was that, look, we're used to these volatile trades. If it's a crypto into or however you describe it, it's been like this since the beginning. So is it different to other asset classes? Does it uh, warrant to check on it on a 24-hour period or more? Uh, just putting that question out there. Meantime, despite its huge fall from grace, Bitcoin is far from the worst performing crypto out there this year. Ethereum has lost more than two thirds of its value in less than six months. The first short Bitcoin linked ETF has launched in the United States. The ProShares Short Bitcoin Strategy ETF, which allows investors the chance to bet against the world's largest cryptocurrency and profit from its declines, got off to a decent start, gaining more than 3%. Just a side note to that, uh, one of the big uh, funds was reporting that there had been some investors pulling money out of these short positions and they were taking it as a sign that perhaps some of the bearish positioning was coming to an end around the cryptocurrency. But again, one to watch. Now, the lending platform 
BlockFi has taken a $250 million credit line from digital asset exchange FTX. The exchange, co-founded by crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried, is offering loans to try and stem contagion in the sector. The Bank of International Settlements said the recent turmoil showed that, quote, crypto is not sound money. But uh, yeah, I think that sets the scene here. You've still got a lot of concerns around where we're trading. Uh, I just put it out there, the question a moment ago, as to whether we should be checking on all the time. If it's such a volatile trade, the industry itself believes that the volatility is normal. Do we check on it like a normal stock trade and comparing the two, you know, in terms of the wild swings we see? I'm just going to hand this one off to you because I think we've we've sat around this desk and we've said we don't actually understand. Well, I've said I don't actually understand why crypto is doing what crypto does because I think we've demonstrated through the the past period that it it, it isn't a medium of exchange. There is very little price stability. It isn't necessarily a store of value when it falls as much as it has. A lot of questions still need to be answered, it seems to me, as to actually what the coins are for at the moment do they have a purpose so i'm sorry i'd i'd love to have a go at your your question but i don't feel that i'm adequately educated uh, if anybody my, is out there point, to explain it. If I flesh it a bit more, my point is that we see moves, what, 2 to 5%, we see bigger moves as well. And we almost try and compare it to what we see on a broader stock market or on a currency or a commodity. But the reality is the industry sees this as something completely different, that uh, they're used to swings of 10, 20 odd percent. And we see those types of movements and we think something is amiss. If the industry itself doesn't think there's anything does, going Karen. on. Of course it does, Karen. Of course it sees it as a myth. They want it to be a means of exchange. But I mean, to the, even to the upside. But it can't be a means of exchange if it's that volatile. You can't say, I'm going to build a house uh, and you can buy that house off me in Bitcoin at a fixed price using fixed Bitcoin. But if Bitcoin is going to fall 50% or 100% or whatever it is from its highs or rally 80%, you've got fixed costs. You're not going to, the brickies and the leckies and the everyone not going to turn up and say, well, I'll take Bitcoin for my services. They're going to take dollars. They're going to take pounds. They're going to take euros. They're going to take, I don't know, cash in their back pocket. They're, if they are unscrupulous, of course, and not talking to the taxman or the IRS. But the fact of the matter is they are not going to take payment uh, in Bitcoin at this moment in time. So you cannot transact in something that is that volatile. So for the industry to say, oh, it's just part of it, which I don't know if the industry is saying that. You're telling me the industry is saying mm-hmm. that. That is palpable nonsense from the industry if they're saying that. I'm going to go back to where you started about a means of exchange. I don't think everyone in the industry thinks it is a means right, so of exchange. So what do they think it is then? <laughs> so, so, okay, let's go back to Jeff's other point. If it's not a means of exchange, what is it? I think they're two is different Is it a store views. of value? Great store of value. $60,000 when people are saying, oh, you've got to own this. My builders, mates, uncles, parrots, cousins, wife, who's a taxi driver, who reads the Daily Mail, told me this is brilliant. I love some of this. So if we could just add that, because I've heard from various different sectors as well that people are buying this because they hope that it's it's going to keep on going up. And to your point, Uh, I've I've asked the same questions. I've asked exactly the same questions as you to the industry. I'm just telling you you what I extracted. Karen, you thought it was worth I'm not saying I even had a view on where this is, this is uh, worth and where it's trading. But what my point is that I, the people that I've interviewed, some are very much in the camp that they just see as an investing tool or trading tool. And perhaps trading is the better word at this stage rather than investing. Others do hope that there will be some means of exchange that it does form some yeah, stable like the base. Like can be who's tra- basically a transaction. got a population exactly. on less than $10 a, very a day different and has wasted over $50 million on a country that can ill afford it. Well, good luck to him on his re-election. So, so there is a, an interesting development in this story. I mean, as far as I can see,
see this is a speculative asset and people are buying it, as you say, because they think it's going to go up or there is volatility in it. So they have they think they have an opportunity to ride race. the dragon's tail ultimately. Yeah. But there is a, a development which I, I'm not sure. Do you want to take it as concerning or as positive? This news that the crypto billionaire Sam Bankman uh, Freed is now trying to help support the industry by providing credit lines to other beleaguered players to, to stop them from basically going under. Now, how do we view that? You've got someone who is very invested in the success of this product anyway, who is now starting to throw out lifelines financially to try and stop other businesses that are involved in the crypto story from going under. Is this, you know, effectively good money chasing a good story or is this uh, throwing good money after bad ultimately and this is we perhaps know. an indication that this is an industry that still has really everyone in the industry from Jamie Dimon downwards we know what Jamie Dimon really thinks of crypto we know what he did think about it before he just said look if there's a client demand JP Morgan will try and satiate some of that mm. we all know that no one knows if it's worth one dollar or one million dollars as well because there is a no underlying value to it so if it rallies a hundred thousand bucks tomorrow I won't be particularly surprised because it has no tangible value that we can measure. Despite the years of all this hand-wringing about it, the fact is no one really knows out there whether it's worth one buck or a million bucks as well. And as far as the scarcity thing is concerned about, let's just put that one to bed as well, about there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin mined, whatever. There's 18,500 blimmin' cryptocurrencies out there. There's nothing scarce about it. And anyway, even if it is scarce, does it mean it's convertible into other products? Does it mean it's useful as a store of value right. and anything that can be a million bucks or one single dollar and no one knows what the value I is about it of course you can't use it as a store that. of value. I mean value. we've seen the volatility around transacting but to your point around why a billionaire is underwriting this type of business I think there are some diehards out there <laughs> they have money their disposal they want to get involved and they do believe in the long-term story we're not just talking about Bitcoin we're talking what about a whole series of cryptocurrencies story, not it's just Bitcoin we're not is. just talking about one cryptocurrency here and I think even if some people are not well, signed up the and they don't they believe in Bitcoin, about. they believe in cryptocurrencies, they believe in stable coins as a means of transacting. Well, let's see how stable Bitcoin. coins work. Should we talk about Terra? Yeah. No, let's go to the break. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.